Hey friends, I have a fun surprise for you or maybe for someone you know and love. We are launching Project Honeymoon. What's that? We have decided to give away as a wedding gift the First Year Married online course to anyone within their first six months of marriage. How to Glow is our business, but it's also our mission. Our mission to support strong, happy Jewish homes from the very beginning. And to do that, we want to get this material into the hands of every newlywed. So start thinking about if this is for you or if you know a newlywed or someone getting married soon so you can share it with them. They'll send in a photo or you'll send in a photo of your wedding invitation. You'll include the date and we will get you access. All the details are at kaylalevin.com forward slash newlywed. No gimmicks, no credit cards, just access to a best-selling, life-changing course and our biggest, warmest mazel tov. By the way, if you are past six months, you can still access a full course plus coaching and support from me inside the How to Glow coaching community for only $39 a month. Okay, so please send along the link, kaylalevin.com forward slash newlywed to your groups, friends, whatever, so we can get the word out. Thanks so much. Episode 152, update and replay of Alana Kendall and choosing up. Welcome to How to Glow, where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. I'm certified coach Kayla Levin, and I help married Jewish women go from surviving and overwhelmed to thriving and connected through practical tips, real life inspiration, and more than a little self-awareness along the way. Hello, ladies. I'm back from a little bit of a hiatus. Um, some of you probably didn't even notice, but some of you definitely did. And Baruch Hashem, all for wonderful reasons, we had a baby boy. And um, all of the episodes that I had queued up and ready to go, didn't even have audio. The audio wasn't working when I tried to queue them up. <laughs> so we didn't have any episodes. Things just didn't happen. And it's great. It's all good. So I want to introduce you this week to our upcoming guest coach inside of How to Glow. This has been really fun for me too. We just are wrapping up right now the month with Yael Trush, who gave some amazing classes on money mindset and a lot of just really practical advice to the women inside of the community. Now we have Alana Kendall coming in and she's going to be working on something that has come up a lot. And I'm really excited to have her background. So Alana Kendall is both a traditional therapist and has a degree in occupational therapy. And so one of the things that comes up a lot that she and I have been discussing for a long time, we've been colleagues for ages, is what we do with really big emotions, right? And where do we work through with, you know, cognitive process? Like what kind of thinking would be more helpful when I'm feeling, let's say, really flooded or overwhelmed or triggered or extremely anxious, right? Is another one that comes up a lot. And when do I want to do something that's more focused on my body, on grounding work, right? Like sometimes we can't even access the mental piece until we've got ourselves back online. And she really has so much to teach about this. I'm so excited to have her coming in. She's going to be the guest coach in July. I know I'm giving you guys very last minute notice, but registration will open this week for July. So if you want to come and do that work with her, I highly, highly recommend it. I will definitely be in there, of course, in the community. I'm always checking in and seeing the ladies and, you know, responding to people and answering questions, but she's going to be taking over the main topic call and the Q and a calls. So you can really dive into this topic. 
so I wanted to bring back the interview that I had with Ilana about her book, Choosing Up, which I highly recommend. You'll see in there my brilliant idea that we were going to start a first year married book club. That never happened. <laughs> so my, I still recommend you read the book. Maybe you'll start your own book club. But she shares a lot of her concepts and ideas there, and you can get a feel for her also as a person. So I hope you enjoy this replay of this conversation with Ilana, and I will see you back here again next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Alana is the very extremely brave and fearless volunteer who was willing to be my guinea pig with this crazy idea that I had. So I'm going to start by just explaining the thinking behind the First Year Married Book Club. And then we're just going to, you know, pick your brain for inspiration and ideas and learn a little bit about where the book came from and just kind of get a teaser and an idea of whether it's the right fit for them if they want to pick it up, which of course going to be a yes. So, um, okay. So the real story for the book club is that last year I realized when I was going into Rosh Hashanah that I had had a, a goal to read the book circle arrow spiral. Do you know this one by Miriam Cosmo? I love, I love Amazing. So I, I had owned it and picked it up and put it down and picked it up and put it down. It's heavy, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's an intellect. It's not like light reading, right? I love her footnotes. She's yes, my right. for having a few footnotes in my book, honestly. Yeah. Her footnotes are intense. So high quality. Yes. And so as I got into Rosh Hashanah last year, I was like, if I don't make an actual commitment to reading this book, I don't think I will. Cause like, I'll, I'll, you know, if you're too far away from certain books, like you don't come back to them. So I made it on my, on my goals for, for last year. One of them was read circle, circle arrow spiral. And I remember writing it down and being like, this is ridiculous. It's one book for an entire year. I'm going to get through so many more. I finished it just before Elo. <laughs> it really took the whole year. <laughs> I did read it. It was so, I really loved it. But just that kind of focus, I'm the type of person who loves books and I'm picking up all these different books all the time. And the structure of a book club, I thought was such a fun way for us to kind of build more community in this first year married world. And to give some of us just that extra push and structure to take this one book. So I love the opportunity that you're giving us to be able to meet you a little bit and kind of put a face behind the, the book. And then after the fact, hopefully we'll get lots of people's questions about, you know, what, what spoke to them, where did this come from, responses, anything like that. So you can have a, a podcast episode just devoted to that at the end. So that's where the book club came from. I would love for you to just introduce yourself. Who are you, Alana? Who am I? The great existential question. <laughs> I guess the next question is how long do we have? I expect an answer to all of these. Okay, perfect. perfect. So the who I am is, I think I've heard you talk about this, a human being. <laughs> That's first and foremost. So, so what I do in my work is I work as a psychotherapist and occupational therapist. I have the opportunity as well to teach in my life. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, uh, so many other things. And, and what I'm here to talk about is really one of my babies. Mm -hmm. um, I actually gave birth and had a book come out, thank God, in the same year. And at oh, the wow. Lunch, yeah, I was like, so this is the other baby. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we are raising the baby. So one of my dreams, honestly, with choosing up is to give people the experience of seeing themselves in the stories and seeing where they can 
take this material and really make it come alive in their life. And, mm -hmm. and I've structured it in such a way that it should hopefully be a conversation starter. So I think it's just such a beautiful, uh, God willing opportunity to be part of, of the first year married community where people will hopefully have the opportunity through the reading to then kind of circle back and, and ask themselves questions and ask, ask questions through the, through the journey. So what do you mean by seeing themselves in the story? Let's just dive straight into it. Yeah. So I share, so the way the book is structured is that it is a collection of stories. They are in nine chapters and themed according to concepts like hope, resilience, connection, um, just, just to name a few. And they are stories that on the surface appear really mundane. And they might be the kind of story that you're expecting to hear like a happy ending, right? Like this was going really well and then all of a sudden it looked bad but like then I saw how actually it was all mm. for the good and we like tie it up with a bow but that's not actually what I do. What I do <laughs> in my storytelling, sorry spoiler alert, <laughs> there are no bows in this book but what there are is really sharing of the human experience we have of living in a story and and I really believe we all our storytellers because we are all constantly narrating our experience mm -hmm. and noticing where those stories are. And what I do is I share stories that we can all relate to, whether in the details, yes or no, you know, finding that parking spot, you know, spilling coffee on my kitchen floor, uh, the lady who serves coffee in the cafeteria at my workplace, seemingly mundane experiences where when we just kind of like tilt our head a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, and we begin to notice how we're living in that story, the story that we're telling, mm. the story we wish we were living, mm. where we actually have the power to maybe ask some questions. That's what I mean to, to find ourselves in this in the story. Because I think we all are storytellers. We, we all have storylines we expect and, and we all have plot twists. And so the really organizing question, the organizing principle of the book, really of my life, is when we find ourselves in those places is how do we grow? How do we find meaning? And how do we find God? Mm -hmm. And those becoming really like the compass that, that we use in our experience. You reminded me when you were telling that saying that it doesn't wrap up with the bow, like you're expecting this amazing ending. Oh, yeah, I have a hot drink too. We're good. <laughs> I told her, I was like, bring, bring a yummy drink. drink. Um, like, oh, she said, bring a yummy drink. I better. <laughs> That's a good, responsible person. It, oh, it reminded me. So we, uh, every Friday night on Shabbat, we do Hashgacha Pratis. So everyone goes around the table and says something from the previous week that was, and Hashgacha Pratis is loosely translated to divine intervention. So something where you notice God in your life, right? And for people who come to our table who don't necessarily believe in God or aren't so sure, then we do a gratitude. So for the Hashgacha Pratis stories, one time we had a boarder who was living with us for several years and she said, you know, I was at the airport and, I, oh, she was late for her flight. So she managed after a lot of, you know, headache and frustration to make it onto the next flight. And so she was on a later flight. And we were like, and what happened to the two planes? <laughs> and she's like, no, it was Hashkacha Pratis because I wasn't supposed to be on the first flight. But nothing happened. Everything was fine. And it was so great. It was like, exactly I feel like exactly what you're saying, meaning she framed this as like, okay, I wasn't supposed to be on this one. 
supposed to be on this other one, but it doesn't require like the way I always put it is like your life doesn't have to be a TED talk, you know, yes. for, you to, to, for you to look at it in a certain way. So I love yeah, that. And I, I, I think that kind of along the lines of what your border was doing, part of what I do in my storytelling in my life and, and in my writing is to be able to, within that, ask the question, okay, so what's the meaning here? Mm-hmm. And maybe like if I were telling that story, I might say, so it was boring. That was a pretty boring story. How do I deal with boredom? What does that mean? And what, does, what happens for us psychologically? What do we tell ourselves about being bored? And, mm-hmm. and interweaving my work as a therapist, my personal experiences and Torah wisdom. And so I sort of, I think about the practice of choosing up and, and the stories as spiritual reframing. Oh, I love so that. that we are able to fuse together what we know about the power of meaning making and Viktor Frankl's work and, and helping us understand that it's not really the circumstances of our life, it's how we choose to be in those circumstances. It pulls on the research from cognitive behavior therapy, helping us understand about reframing and, and the really powerful opportunity we have to work with our minds and then Torah wisdom, right? How, how do all of those intersect in a way that they become alive inside of us? And, and one of the things that I, I love to remind myself is that stories are everywhere. Like they are literally lurking like on the stairs, they are in your fridge, they are you know between carpools, wherever they are, are your stories. And once we become aware of that, the world becomes alive. And, and that's my hope is that as people read these stories, they will see themselves in the stories and they will begin to see their stories, begin to ask questions of those stories in such a way that life becomes transformed. And it, it really does. It, 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 it becomes sort of like a cross between living in a sitcom, a movie, a novel. But as soon as we kind of are like, oh, like what genre am I, am I in right now? And you like hear the soundtrack, right? Like just... I love Suddenly. that line so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I lo- it's so true. I see this so often, like when I'm doing work with a group, as opposed to just working one-on-one, someone will be up against their story for so long. They're trying to, you know, understand, like they can't see their story, I guess is, is what it really is, right? Like they're living it and it's just truth for them and they can't really see what they're creating at all and they can't see what they're interpreting. They really just think that they're, this is the fact of the matter, right? Whatever the story is that they have. But then they watch somebody else go through the process and they're like, oh, so then their brain starts to notice the mechanics because they're not attached to the outcome. They don't have anything to lose, right? Because Sometimes we kind of feel like we do have something to lose. Like this is, whether it's a defense mechanism or it absolves us of responsibility or whatever the thing is, we're living in a story for a reason. When we see the mechanics on someone else where we have no buy-in, we have no skin in the game. And then we're like, oh, she's totally, (laughs) right? I mean, we all know the person where you're like, the world isn't that terrible. You just think it is. You find all the reasons that it's terrible. And then that's us noticing the mechanics on someone else, then we can apply it to ourselves and then we start to get that freedom. It's playful. What I love about the way you're talking about it, and I love the way that you're, the fact that you're using stories is that, is that it, can, it can kind of almost be like fantasy, right? Like, oh, hey, I thought I was over here and now like this could be what's happening and maybe I'm totally wrong. I used to, 
work at Disney World. As do you know this? I don't know this. <laughs> Can we just talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was very very good friends with two of the princesses at Disney World as my summer job. <laughs> And to this day, there's still a piece of me that's like, yeah, Disney movies are great. <laughs> like, let's just be in that. And I literally will like, I'll, open, I'll be like cleaning the kitchen and I'll be such a grouch. And then I'll be like, Snow White would open the window. <laughs> I'm like, let's listen to the birds. And I'm like, this one's more fun. I'm just going to go there instead. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, what, what, you're, what you're pulling upon is the awareness that we can bring to our experience and then how we can shift how we're in that experience and mm -hmm. having fun with it. So, so one of you know, my favorite pieces of feedback from readers is that the stories where I am able to be a reverent, where I can laugh at myself a little is where people can fall into the story. Mm -hmm. and, and what, what a lovely invitation for all of us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can take myself very seriously. <laughs> Very seriously, like the, the I, I was just writing about this uh, the morning after Yom Kippur, my one-year-old reached up onto the table, I turned around and he pulled down the entire box of Cheerios that was open. Okay. And like, I, but, but this isn't what's supposed to happen the morning after, like after Yom Kippur, like I'm, I'm supposed to still be in my spiritual Zen state. Like this is not how this story goes. And then I caught myself and, mm. and I could laugh. But it was only because I've engaged in this practice over and over again where I can notice the story and then watch that sort of action in my brain of this isn't how this is supposed to go. And, and I'll just, I'm just going to give you a teaser in the introduction to the book. I do share about one of the significant life plot twists that I really struggled with and the, a feeling of story breakdown for me. Can and you tell how, us what that is or do we have to read Read the book. Okay, right. <laughs> This this is supposed to be the like the, the this is yeah we're planting the seeds. <laughs> it's on page three. Like you it, after that you can put it down. It won't take yeah. long. Yeah. But but really how learning to tell stories became for me such a healing practice and really mm. um, like almost a soul therapy where I could tell a story and then reimagine that experience. And then what, the way these started actually was an email. So I started out with an email to a group, small group of women, 18 women. And over the weeks, over the years, the mailing list grew. And as I would get feedback from people and I would hear things like, me too, you know, before me too meant something else. <laughs> You know, that I, I see myself in that story or my favorite is when people say to me, you know, I was in this, this difficult situation this week. Like I was in a real bind or things were just feeling like they were coming apart around me. And then I thought about how you tell these stories and I stopped mm. and I asked those questions of myself and it, it transformed my experience. And so I, the thing that I guess I want to share with you and with anyone who's embarking on this journey with us is that once we gain this awareness and we do this work together, it just opens up this sort of other channel that I believe is partly brain work, but also soul work. And that it's mm -hmm. in that connection, in that space, 
where we just find this this new way of being and it's not like something that just happens right so it's like i'm not selling you know for three packages of 9.99 a month you know and then once you do this and it's all perfect and or you know or as i say to my clients like my my magic wand from amazon prime has not arrived yet but when I have the magic wand, no, really what it is, is it's a, a daily practice, a moment to moment practice so that this is something that I'm continually trying to show up into my, show up to in my life. I, I don't have this down pat. I am, as I started out saying to you, very human work in progress. And, and for me, the greatest joy is being in that work with others. When we all can kind of like lay down that shield and say, okay, hey, like, a lot of stories, where are our choices and show up yes. to that again and again. Yes. So like still yes. trying. Right. <laughs> it's know. not like we like get the awareness and then there's nothing else to work on. <laughs> right. Like even once we have the awareness. Did it come to you? Mm -hmm. You don't get Amazon in Israel. No, no I don't. I, we did for like two minutes when we first moved. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I want to hear, I'm so intrigued by the fact that this started with an email list. So what, what, was the incentive behind the list? Where did that come from? And what were you wanting to share in that list? So I had taken a group of women to Israel on a trip. It was, it's Momentum now. It was called JJYRP at the time. And I came back from this trip totally inspired, like energized, completely jet-lagged. Mm. So you know what this is like? You the, the day after you wake up at like three in the morning when, yeah. when you're in America. Yeah, East Coast time. And then like, what am I going to do? And the next day, still like waking up wide eyed. So after a couple of days, I sat down at my computer, my, my laptop opens it up, just really wanting to stay connected to this feeling of clarity, of purpose, of there being kind of a way out of some of that bogged down everydayness that we can get really caught up in. And so I shared with them this story without the intention of keeping this up every week without a clear vision of this becoming a book. So this is not the like how to write a book right. uh, chat because <laughs> it sort of happened by accident along with very much being a, a big piece of, of a direction in my life. So it's, it's kind of both. But I, I wrote this little story, just, just something I'd experienced during the week, trying to pull out some meaning, showing where we could grow in the everyday, where the almighty, where God is in our life. And I hit send. I guess everyone else was jet lagged because like flurry of replies right away. <laughs> like, okay, you're all so up. <laughs> and, and there was there was something about what I was sharing that that seemed to be resonating with something outside of me. And so the next week, not jet lagged, I opened up the laptop, shared another story, and this became for me, like I said, this this soul therapy, this practice. And some weeks I would sit down and I would feel like I had nothing to write, like nothing happened, not even Cheerios on the floor, like really. And I would sit there and, and a piece of the discipline was that I began to notice that the stories are living everywhere. The choices are everywhere. I wasn't always making the choice I wished I had. And in sharing that was the learning, was mm -hmm. the growth. And so that community of sharing those stories built over the years. Were you, were you already coming at the storytelling from the perspective of, of, a, of a, sorry, it's not psychologist and it's not therapist. It's. I'm a registered psychotherapist and a psychotherapist. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so were you coming at the storytelling from the psychotherapy lens in the beginning, or you were telling a story because it's a meaningful way of communicating an idea and it, 
it came to you and then after the fact because i feel like when we started this conversation you had so much to support from from a more academic perspective right and a more cognitive science perspective of why these are so compelling and why we we use this so was that in your mind when you were jet lagged <laughs> 3 a.m <laughs> Absolutely. I had all the literature there about therapeutic writing and interventions. And I, so I had done some training in therapeutic writing. So I would say that that was a piece there. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the only piece. And there's very much a personal story that I share here informed by the literature informed by who I'm reading and what I'm thinking about. I actually footnote uh, Miriam Cosman in my book. Oh, well. There you go. It all comes full circle. Uh, so so it's, it's a journey that I went on and that I am still on. And, and it is that intersection between the personal and the professional, the wisdom of Torah, what, what secular psychology is telling us. And really, when they come together and we see how what what we are discovering now what we are theorizing now has these deep roots and and that they're not something far off like this is not something that someone else or someone more worked out or more educated can do but that this is really what lives within each of us and our lives and and really just those very day-to-day -day choices you know when when choosing up came out people said to me like you know you must be so proud and this is so amazing and and i sort of like the answer was yes and no the yes is absolutely i was very excited i am excited this is this is the baby right here it is mm -hmm. and no because the practice of choosing up is something that i and we are continuing on on the road mm -hmm. of, of working on and through and and so here we are in the next leg of the journey wow i'm already coming up with questions for our post <laughs> book club <laughs> i i'm so excited to read this i like i told you that i was going to make myself wait until after this conversation to crack this open but especially with stuck coming i feel like it's just the perfect time for this so i am so looking forward i know that people are going to be wondering so i want to make sure to address this you and I both identify as, as observant Jews. For somebody who's not in that community, who doesn't identify that way, how do they know if this book's gonna fit them? Is this, you know, is it exclusive to somebody who is Jewish and has a Jewish philosophy or not? And how would you answer that? I think that's a great question. So, so the messages in the book are both particular and universal which means that if you are someone who is on a Jewish journey or Jewishly observant, I think a lot of the messages will strengthen and, and personalize. So take concepts from something that feels sort of outside to something that is very much alive in our life. If that's not where you locate yourself, if that's, that's not your story or where you are, I think that the, the wisdom is also so universal and brings so much from the common human experience, from the the vulnerability of being in this world and and draws as well on on psychological insights that can really translate into living and being and choosing differently so so i i i think it speaks across the spectrum that's the feedback i've gotten and i would like i would just so love to hear from people wherever they locate themselves and to understand how this is affecting and touching people differently um, that for me has been one of really like the neatest experiences to hear. It's so interesting. Well, I was speaking with somebody recently about this, how 
you know, when I started speaking more on the podcast about my Jewish thinking, like not thinking, but the way I see the world and how Judaism affects my life and everything like that. And I was so hesitant. I went, you know, probably like 70 episodes, right? Well over a year before I started to just like make it more of a thing. And I remember like bracing myself to see the podcast numbers just drop. I was like, if there's going to be a drop, but it's, it's okay. You know, like, and it was the exact opposite. It like went skyrocketed. And when I was speaking to another coach, who's not Jewish about this, and I was like, kind of, I don't know, we were, we were sort of discussing that and, and among different, different things. And she was saying how anyone, sh when you, when a person is showing up so authentically as themselves, and as you're doing, sharing wisdom from where, what is true for them, that is like the purest point of connection, right? Mm -hmm. So like so many people can tune into that because even if they have to make small modifications of, okay, she said, God, maybe I don't believe in God. Maybe I believe in this other thing or right. Those modifications we can make, but what we can't modify for is to connect to an inauthentic picture, right? Like if you're presenting something that's not you, I can't connect to that. Even if I don't need to make any modifications, even if everything you say matches up in my book, there isn't something to connect to because you're not showing me really who you are. So I love that you're coming at this from what's authentic for, for you as a professional, as a spiritual person, all of those things. I'm trying to think what other questions people might have. If we, if anyone is in chat and wants to ask a lot of questions, let me know and we'll ask. I for sure want to make sure we have a follow-up after the fact for us to just sort of dive into this more. I, can I, am I allowed to write in your book? Absolutely. Okay, great. That's, that's the sign of an enjoyed read. Underline and, and writing in the margins. And yes. I would love, you know, as, as people are going on this journey with you, I think we would be open to, to questions coming in. Yeah. I'm interested to hear. Yeah. Really? Okay. I mean, that's your time. So if you're going to offer it, we're going to take it. Well, I don't know if I'll answer them always as you go, but let's collect them like jewels at least. Yes. Yeah, and then we can and then we can address it at the end. Literally, I can't. I have to move this. I'm putting. I'm, I'm like trying to read it while I get to you right now. I'm gonna read it soon. I'm so excited. Okay, I'm gonna check the Q and A. Just see if any questions. We don't have any questions in yet, but we have. I I love the story about the email list. What happened with the list in the end? I, well, so up until um, this summer, I was sending a weekly email still. Wow. And I have I have a list of of. A lot, a lot of people on my, on my list who are getting this email. I took a break when I had my baby for about six months. And I just a few weeks ago shared with my list that I'm moving back a little bit from writing something every week and writing something every two to three weeks, which was in and of itself, like a really interesting process to go through. I took the summer off from writing and, and remember, so for like eight, nine, 10 years, I produced something every week. And this isn't, not everything is in the book, but that was really like a discipline and a practice. For that list me. was for, it was for that long you were doing the list? I've been doing this since 2012, sending. Wow. So yeah, so did I say nine years? My ma math is not my strength, eight years. <laughs> That's a significant so, amount of time. Yeah, so that for me was a big piece in my life. And so I just, I've been asking myself a lot of questions. You know, is this hmm. what I need? Is this what is most valuable to share with the world? I guess a little bit I heard you share on your podcast last week, the week before, about choices you're making in terms of where mm -hmm. you're putting your energy. So it's not something I'm letting go of. 
but I'm just, I'm shifting a little bit around it. And that's actually lightened it up for me. So I'm just working on something to send out tomorrow morning about the Cheerios. <laughs> and I wrote about Cheerios last year. So I'm even writing there like, are we talking about Cheerios again? But, but there is a purpose. There is, there is a deeper message here about how we show up to those messier moments in life. And that's just what I love. Like that for me, if there was like a passion point is when we're in the mess and we can stop and go like, okay, hey, here's my opportunity. And that's what feels magical. And oh my gosh, because you just made me think of one other thing that I think is so, so crucial and like something that you don't get until you start doing work like this. Because I'm so excited to learn about this more deeply the way you approach it. But as we've spoken about before, our work is so, has so much crossover, right? Which is that so much of the time people feel like I have to like examine every single instance. Like I'll just be examining all day. I won't be able to live my life because what if I don't choose the right one? you know, to look at and to see the story. And the truth is that as soon as you just start the practice of it, the shift happens. Like it really doesn't matter if it was the Cheerios that you picked or you picked something else from that week, but just mm -hmm. taking that time to sort of go through that process of seeing it, that's the magic right there. Like it doesn't have to be the right choice. It doesn't have to be every single time. It just has to be an engaged thing, which is why I so love that you had that, that span of time where you were doing this on a regular basis Mm. and seeing how that came in for you. I mean, you really are writing this from a place of expert. I, I know that you're saying you're still working on it, but to have worked on it for that long on such a consistent basis, that's like a tremendous level of expertise with this work because you were engaging with it. So I do at the end of the book in the conclusion, again, again, here's a little teaser. I provide a five-step framework, which is what I use when I write, which mm -hmm. I discovered, right? So this kind of, if anyone who has a research background, grounded theory, methodology, like it sort of emerged through the doing and understanding mm -hmm. what was happening for me, what I was doing, why I was doing it. But I, I think if you talk about practice, like we all are alive, we all are narrating, like even whoever is listening right now, you are narrating this experience of listening to us talking and like there's a story to a Very story meta. and there and there for sure is mess. Right? Like if I just could turn my laptop around right now, like there is mess. We all have physical mess. Okay, maybe some people are more orderly than others, but there's, there's stuff, emotional, relational, historical, like we're all living in, in experiences that are not tied up in a bow. So how do we find the magic in the middle of that? I love it. I love it. That's so quotable. You we're gonna magic take wand. It. <laughs> No, it's amazing. Okay. I think this is perfect. I think this was like such a perfect level of just giving people a glimpse into who you are, how lovely and wonderful and inspiring you are. I know that you told us that Amazon has the book also Mosaica Press who they sent me a copy, but I don't like make money off of this. This is just because we thought it'd be so fun and I like to read a book. <laughs> sometime this year, um, specifically yours. So they That's offered us um, next year. What's, yeah, exactly. Oh, it better be before that. So they right. offered us FYM 10 for 10% from their website, mosaicopress.com. So if anyone is listening and hasn't bought yet, that's an option available for you. Thank you. And so they made a cool cover, right? They do. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, they really do. They really do. Yeah. And also I really, I really appreciate that their books are all exactly the same height because it makes my bookshelf look really nice. <laughs> so I just didn't realize how many of them I had. 
What's that? We need to talk about your feelings about mess, Kayla. <laughs> I'll tell you the story next. <laughs> okay. Thank you so, so much for taking the time. And I can't wait to have you on the podcast. And uh, hopefully I'm looking before, right? Before Hanukkah time. Like around early December oh. should be good. All right. Great. Okay. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. So lovely to chat. Thank you to everybody. Be well. Bye, everyone. Hey there, Kayla here. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I want to invite you into my monthly coaching membership, How to Glow. We take all the work here. We focus on our marriages. We go much, much deeper into our expectations of our husbands, understanding our husbands, our intimate lives, everything that we don't discuss here on the podcast. And we even extend it out to anything else you want coaching on, your parenting, your finances, your health get ongoing support, live coaching, and access to my best courses for only $39 a month. I would love to have you join us. Sign up at kaylalevin.com forward slash coaching. Isn't this the best time to start?